Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We have a special treat for you today. We have a new house band with a new dimension in rock and roll. We have the one, the only, Dragon Sound.
Welcome to They Call This a Movie, testing the strength of friendships one terrible movie at a time. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and podcast services by searching They Call This a Movie. We are part of the Main Damien Network, and to find more from us, check out the website, themaindamien.com, or on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at the Main Damien. We are also now a proud member of Geek Fives Nation, and you can find them at gbnation.com. Welcome back to They Call This a Movie. This is Anthony Delvecchio. With me, as always, is Dan Aquino and Mark Meyer. Say hello, gentlemen. Hey, what's going on, guys? Yeah, so I haven't been to Florida much, but I never knew Miami looked exactly like Orlando. <laughs> yes very much somewhere so. in miami <laughs> well i guess the french connection technically takes place primarily in brooklyn so, <laughs> so there you go uh, yeah it's in the vicinity of miami and uh, also fargo takes place pri- predominantly in minnesota so yeah you can't trust these titles yeah it's the can't biggest lie of our generation yeah before we get into this week's movie gentlemen what have you watched this week anything uh, no, this week was uh, it was a pretty busy weekend. Couldn't watch anything, unfortunately. Yeah, if, if you count watching a bunch of uh, older Zen, Gen Xers and Boomers try to figure out technology and text messaging, then yes, I did watch something, but no movies. Okay, yeah. I only watched one thing, so this is going to be short unless we talk uh, ex- extensively about it. I watched the new uh, Netflix documentary, Bob Ross, Happy Accidents, Betrayal, and Greed. And I watched it anxiously because I was assuming this this whole movie was going to be about how shitty of a person Bob Ross was in real life. And I can happily say that that is not the case at all. Thank God. Yeah, (laughs) that was very good to hear. Yeah, I was going to say they should (laughs) they should uh, silence the people that uh, made this film and make sure it never gets uh, in front of anybody's eyes because we don't need that kind of negativity in our lives, you know? Oh, yeah. It but luckily... Like, you remember when the whole steroid era was going on in baseball? Mm-hmm. People would talk about, like, what what if, like, Griffey and Jeter were were taken? Yeah. And it's like, no, like, MLB sh- would... Yeah, <laughs> MLB would not allow that. Yeah, it's like, yeah everybody's like... Uh... What, what if Griffey did him? It's like that uh, that stepbrother scene. Just sh- sh- shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, that's just it would destroy what good like goodwill is left in mankind. I think. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's that. It's like Bob Ross, Mister Rogers, and like Keanu Reeves. It's just like just keep it to yourself. <laughs> Didn't murder anybody. Didn't rape anybody. Don't worry about it. Right. <laughs> Yeah, and if he eventually becomes Jeopardy host, we have to cross our fingers about LeVar Burton for it for about three weeks. Because yeah. it seems like as soon as you get named that host, all the skeletons come out. What if LeVar Burton's like, I don't want it, I don't want it, I don't want it. <laughs> and I'd be even more I told, suspicious. I told you guys, I don't want it. <laughs> Thinking about all those podcasts he was on 10 years ago. Like transphobic and, and, shit. <laughs> and now it's like, like Brendan Fraser has been picked to be the new guy everyone loves which is you know that's great i think we need more people who everybody just loves unconditionally yeah it's weird how uh social media just picks a person to randomly love mm-hmm. there's no rhyme or reason to it i feel yeah, yeah. until they and uh, they until they find they're part of some weird hollywood church like chris pratt <laughs> yeah 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 and it's for some reason We've talked about it before where people are getting on prep. You know, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is coming out next year. <laughs> yep. Everyone's super excited. <laughs> and that'll do gangbusters, I'm sure, at the at the yeah. theater or whatever. And yeah. Oh, that Chris Pratt shakes fists. Yeah. 
I'd I'd love to sit down and talk to this guy that tried to give himself the, the Jeopardy spot. <laughs> it, it, you know, I I read someone someone said something like you know no one knew who this guy was and yeah. he had a sweet cushy gig and yeah. he just catapulted himself to the forefront and now everybody knows who he is for shitty reasons. Yep. Yeah. Like, if if history says anything about the three people I know with the name Mike or Michael Richards. Uh, if your last name is Richards, please do not name your kid Michael. Uh, there's a hockey player too, Mike Richards, right? Yep, that got caught trying to take drugs across the Canadian border. Oh, what kind of drugs? Terrible. Uh, like opioids. Oh, well, this is this, he's like third on the totem pole. No, 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 I know. No, but but the three most prominent people named Michael Richards all have basically almost they got demons. They got something. Yep, in they closet. got demons and. Almost got blackballed from their respective fields. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm more on board with Mike Richards, drug smuggler. Yes. <laughs> yes. If any Philadelphia Flyers fan would know, the best part of his time here was when they tried to make him acting commercials. And it was <laughs> one of those great local commercial spots where he did not want to be there, but sure. they forced him to do it. And it is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, Orson Welles with the peas, the frozen peas. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I guess it's didn't Ryan Howard wind up in a subway commercial with Jared? I'm sure he regrets that. Oh, yeah. He probably regrets that. But I yeah. hope so. Yeah. No, I haven't lost sleep about it. <laughs> oh, oh, that, that guy? I don't remember clean. that guy. <laughs> yeah. I just opened up a new restaurant in Mount Holly. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I, I think it's always a good thing. You know, there's so many people that people hate or whatever X, Y, you know, X, Y, and Z reason. Uh, so when you finally get someone who people love, it's almost, it's almost like that diamond in the rough. Like, oh man, there's a little light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. Then it it just closes like super quickly, and then someone hates somebody else. Especially <laughs> when like people come out of nowhere, like it's like regular yeah. regular people just become super popular for some reason. Like yeah, like Ken sure. Bone, right? <laughs> I, think yeah. Ken... <laughs> I mean, it did lead to my greatest Halloween costume outside yeah. of Beef Stone. I think Keith Stone was yeah. the best. I think. I think relatively, he kind of there wasn't that much dirt in his closet. Nothing too yeah. in uh, nothing too crazy. Just but. pleated khakis. <laughs> it was all that was in his closet. <laughs> pleated khakis and red sweaters. He could work. He works at Target. You, this one's think, a button down. <laughs> do you think you know would be good standard practice going forward? If someone becomes famous, they just like do a press conference and say, hey, you know, I got a brand new movie coming out. Uh, but before that happens, I want to let you know I was uh, 18 years old. Uh, I, you know, I did this or I did just something just to let everyone know ahead of time. You, so people can't proactively go and search for these things because people are, you know, incessant with trying to bring other people down. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. it's warranted, you know, I would say. Uh, like, for instance, uh, someone f with this Mike Richards thing saying on that topic, someone listened 40 plus hours of this podcast. And yeah. uh, if that if that were up to me to like, Dan, you need to listen to X amount of hours of this podcast. Like, no, Michael Richards is going to get that Jeopardy job, probably. <laughs> I'm not I'm not going through this. Yeah, you won't even listen to this show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now, to be uh, fair, I do listen to it. It's like very low volume because I'm <laughs> listening at work. So we get the download. <laughs> as long as we get that download. We're, we're getting that precious Dan yeah. Aquino download. 
I guess I guess when you're just like the exec producer of Jeopardy and you assign yourself to be the host, people are gonna like, all right, well, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> exactly. Let's let's get twelve hundred words on who the fuck Mike Richards is. And it's like, oh well, we found out who Mike Richards is. Yeah, like the first <laughs> thing they found out was he was on a some lawsuit when he was the Price is Right EP <laughs> for like sexual harassment. Man, yeah, just, just the confidence of mediocre white guys. Yeah, am I exactly. right? Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he thinks he's untouchable, or he thought he was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what was, uh, I mean, everyone has their two cents for this whole Jeopardy thing. And the thing that surprised me was, this many people give a shit about Jeopardy? I was shocked. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's a, it's watched by millions and millions of people. Um, I guess. You never hear about it. No, I don't think it's, now. it's not something that you usually talk about, unless it's like Ken Jennings going on that super long streak. Like what are you gonna talk about? Oh, you see, these right? fi- few final Jeopardy last night. Whoa, crazy! <laughs> yeah, it to me, it's like if I don't see it on Twitter, it's like it never exists. I guess. <laughs> I, yeah, I just, you know, like my dad would watch it a lot. I just, I never heard anybody over the age or under the age of fifty talk about it. In in our circle, was Jeopardy ever brought up? I don't think so. Maybe Probably when we were not. maybe we were watching it one day in like an Atlantic City hotel before we went out. It's about it's very it. Very possible. <laughs> I, again, is I I I was just so surprised that this many people cared about who the next yeah. host of Jeopardy was. Well, well, I mean, just because you don't talk about it doesn't mean we don't love it or take oh. the Jeopardy test every year. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, Mark's always surprising us. Yeah. Always surprising us with stuff. It's always on this podcast. It's yeah. just <laughs> this comes out person. on this podcast. Yeah, he's going to talk about us later about how many times he's seen the Miami Connection. I wish <laughs> I owned it on DVD, Blu-ray. <laughs> I was the one that found it on that eBay <laughs> auction. Yeah. Is it now? Are we going to find out on Mark's like deathbed? He has like a stash of gold bullion or something hidden, and we need to go on a uh, like uh, your, a treasure hunt. Your your so. your final quest as in Dungeons and Dragons right. is to find my gold bullion. Oh man, <laughs> that'd be amazing. It would be a great quest. Yeah, one hundred. I would one hundred percent backstab everybody. By the way, just putting that out there. Not if I backstab you first. Oh, you see, I've given it away. Yep, my first no, mistake. That's why you. I would never get it. Yeah, <laughs> but I'll never but, be rich. Yeah. So yeah, Bob Ross, decent documentary. If you're interested in learning about um, how he created his empire with a few people and what happened to it after he died, take a look. Um, it's not super like I, it's not super groundbreaking. It's like a seven. You know, it was fun to watch. Learning that I don't want to spoil anything, but yeah, but something major. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking about his hair. It was a perm. <laughs> It wasn't natural, but uh, it would be, it would be uh, disappointing. I, I, I think, right? Yeah, I mean, he did when he was sick. He wound up wearing a wig, but yeah, uh, but that was post post the uh, the joy painting. That's still, that's so that that's such a commitment, right? Yeah, it's like you heard about Jim Varney would never would never allow himself to be photographed smoking because he didn't want kids smoking. Yeah. Is is it along those levels where mm-hmm. of uh, just commitment where like everyone knows the hair? Yeah, so I can't let people see me without the hair. Yeah, I mean, I, it was a short period of time. I think he got non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and I think he passed pretty quick after that. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, so it wasn't like he had to live years and years like that. But okay. um, yeah, I guess Jim Varney is one of those guys too, right? Nobody wants to hear yeah. bad things about Ernest. 
Although we did break yeah. that Ernest invented 69ing, right? Yeah. Well, that's not a bad thing. No, that's a good thing. It yeah. does paint him in different light, though. It's sure. not the Ernest that we that we know and love. It's the Ernest that the women love. <laughs> I was just say I, I never saw that at the blockbuster. <laughs> Ernest invents 69. <laughs> You had to to go to the Hollywood video for that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I think that came out after Ernest goes to Africa, right? Probably right there. Right around there. Yeah. All right. Well, we've bullshitted enough. uh, So we're going to take a quick break and let's do some ads so we can pay those bills and we'll be right back. And welcome back. Now it's time to get into this week's movie. And this week was my pick. So with full disclosure, this was not my original pick this week. To put open the curtain a little bit, what we've done, we've kind of made a schedule for the next few months, basically, and we put our movies down. So we kind of had everything decided a little bit earlier than what we usually do. So this week, originally, was going to be Highlander 2, The Quickening. And I watched Highlander 2, The Quickening over the weekend, and it was just kind of boring. Wasn't super interesting. Maybe we'll come back to it one day. But I wasn't feeling it this week. So I took a movie that was all the way scheduled for January and I moved it up because I think we needed to looking ahead for next week's episode as we were just talking about it off air. We kind of needed to uh, swing for the fences on this one because next week's going to suck. But this week is I picked Miami Connection and it's a doozy, man. This is the first time I've ever seen it. I've seen... Other people cover it. I've seen Red Letter Media cover it. I saw How Did This Get Made cover it. So I decided, why not us too? But gentlemen, where are you coming from with Miami Connection? In my notes, the top note, number one note that was taken, it says, what the fuck? <laughs> that's the top note. That, that's, <laughs> and that sums it up perfectly. What part of this movie started that that statement? The <laughs> So... Obviously, the beginning is very interesting, but then it goes to the club and they're doing like the Hall and Oats. Yeah. <laughs> is it just Hall and Oats because the guy's got a mullet and a mustache? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, so at that point, I was like, what the fuck is this? I kept thinking, like, one of the, my other notes is when the ninjas aren't on the screen, all the other characters should be asking, where are the ninjas? <laughs> Because <laughs> I, I expected there to be way more ninjas. Mm-hmm. It's severely lacking after the first scene. Okay. Uh, up until the end. Yeah. Uh, so there's that scene, and then there's the training, like the little training montage mm-hmm. between the main characters that <laughs> sure. is probably, it's like, I thought he was slowed down. I thought yeah. the film was slowed down. But no, that's, they were actually, they were training at a snail's pace. Yep. And oh man, that that was painful to watch. Because basically one of them knows how to do taekwondo and the other two have no idea. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so the, the the main character is training with his buddies. Uh, one was the drummer and I think the other one was the the bassist. Ba- the the ba- I was going to say either the guitarist or the bassist. The guy that it's, creates all the problems. That tall yes. Eli Manning looking I'm motherfucker. Me- <laughs> yeah, <I'm like> Eli <laughs> Manning. <laughs> Oh, this, he looks just like a spitting image of Eli Manning. Uh, the open, like, so the fist lands in the guy's <laughs> open mouth? I don't know why that was there. Uh, you got that. You got a weird love story that really goes nowhere. Uh, a, the, the, the sister, the, the brother. Yeah. 
right? The, the sexual, right? Or like possibly like wanted to fuck his sister. Yeah. Oh, oh that, that's it. another one. Right. He walks in and he's eyeing down this chick. I'm like, okay, like he probably that's probably gonna be a love interest. Hey, what's your sister doing here? What? <laughs> Wait a minute. You did not prepare me for that at all. <laughs> There's something. It just seemed like that guy had like he was a mystery. That guy, mm-hmm. and I wanted to know more about him. Yeah. I, like obviously he was a dickhead for no reason. Like something about him. Like he wore open vests. It's mm-hmm. like all that, all that chest hair. I was like this guy. Like I think he, you know, should come out. Like, he's, he's gay, right? Like, like, <laughs> he should be like loud and proud with it, man. I know it's like, Miami, he, perfect place. Yeah. Or, Orlando. He's he would be like. The first gay ninja. How cool is that? I don't think he was a ninja, though. He knew. I think he knew. You're right. He's not a ninja, but he's a martial. He was a martial artist. He he doesn't really do it much. He so he they fight with the katana real quick, and then he goes down to the the knife, and then he falls. A ninja wouldn't a ninja wouldn't fall to his death on his own accord. Yeah, without even being pushed or anything. I think he just like falls backwards by accident. Yeah. I don't know, but I just thought it would have been it would have been so much more interesting. It it would not have been interesting if you wanted to bang his sister. I want to put that out there. It's not <laughs> interesting, or maybe for to some weird people out there, sure. But no one on this podcast thinks that's int- disclaimer. No. Uh, Mark, what about you? Where are you coming from with Miami Connection? So uh, two things up front: the opening line to the first song is probably the most ridiculous line I've heard in the in movies we've watched in a long time. Where it basically describes the rival gang. They are bikers by day and ninjas at night. Thank God for closed captions so that I could understand exactly. And also, I may or may not have looked up and seen if Dragon Sound had a vinyl out for this movie. Oh, I bet you they have it on like Waxwork or uh Yeah. I found name? something. Mondo. Yeah, yeah I didn't I didn't look I didn't look deep, but I did search and some popped up. But yeah, at, at first I thought it was like, is this like is this like some kind of like music, like a movie that's just going to be this band's entire album? <laughs> you know, until I found out that they're a fake band for the movie. But yeah, it was it was just strange. Like you could tell um, it had a very Neil Breen quality to the dialogue. Sure. <laughs> Which makes sense when you know who the writers are, but that they're not like professional writers. They're just mm-hmm. guys that probably watched a lot of Kung Fu, Kung Fu movies um, and wanted to make their own because they were very successful teachers in that field mm-hmm. i couldn't follow at times like what what exact plot line was taking place like was it the two was it the uh the two bands fighting or was it the what was jeff's group all about and then it just kept jumping back and forth between you know stories that i, I just couldn't keep track and then just gave up after a while and just started enjoying the really slow taekwondo at times <laughs> and it, especially that montage that dan was talking about where he, where they're training, it seemed very much like, all right, oh, now you go down. You yeah. know, it, it wasn't even like they even look like training at any point. It's just funny that the uh, I guess maybe with the late eighties would have been a time when people would just be randomly doing that on a college campus and nobody would think it was weird. Uh, you know, we we talk about things like that all the time, and I don't have answers for things like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, I'm just sitting here thinking like. <laughs> Like, if I was walking around, you know, the hub at Penn State, and I just saw three guys doing really slow martial arts over in the corner, would I just be like, eh? Or or would I, you know, what would the reaction... That that was one of the things going through my mind in that scene. And then, then like Dan was saying, I 
I couldn't figure out the relationship between the brother and sister in this movie at all. <laughs> like, like she hated him, but she would still she's and he didn't really seem to like what she wanted to do. But yet she had the power to just walk into his office. And it was just like, I don't I don't get this structure at all. And and I think my favorite scene in the movie was, was when out of nowhere, she just explains her whole backstory to her boyfriend <laughs> as, as they're walking down the street. Exposition it's like, dump. Yeah, yeah, exposition dump. It's like, oh, man. And then my mom died. Like, holy shit. Yeah. But yeah, I think that was before we found out that most of the movie was about orphans. Mm-hmm. That then was like, oh, that's why their characters make sense in this movie. And then, and then I'm sure we'll get to it or, or, you know, but the whole ridiculous thing that happens in the last 10 minutes of the movie just had me laughing the entire time. Uh, how, you know, the one guy basically hulks up <laughs> while fighting the ninjas. Sure. Uh, this is just a weird movie. At times it felt like too long. Like I was looking at the clock and other times I was like, oh, that went pretty quick. It's, it's been 20 minutes since I last checked. Mm-hmm. Um, it just just the pacing was was not great. But then again, these B movies, you know, you're you're not you're not getting like professionals, you know, that have that have run it through the, you know, have done multiple movies like this and understand that stuff. But I'm glad we watched it. Mm-hmm. That that much I will say. Gotcha. As for me, this movie is so awesome with a capital awesome. <laughs> <laughs> the music fucking slap. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Friends forever, man. That song, what an earworm that song is. I'm never gonna not sing that song for the rest of my life. Taekwondo. Yeah, yeah. we we have talked at the, this movie extensively. We haven't gotten to the part where the guy finds his father. <laughs> That's what I was mentioning the last time. Like where he um, his mom was Korean and his dad was Black American. Oh, <laughs> uh, that was another great exposition moment. <laughs> Oh, that scene, that's worth the price of admission right there, man. That guy sells the shit out of it. And then when he finally finds his dad. I didn't do the research, Ant. So answer a question for me Mm -hmm. while we're on the subject. Does he play his father at the end? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Good question. I didn't even think about that. Uh, Because it's obviously not an old man. (laughs) It's Jim, right? Jim. Jim. Jim is not credited as his own dad. Oh, yeah. It, it just says Maurice Smith is Jim. Yeah. But I couldn't see the dad credited anywhere. Yeah. Yes. Man, there's so many credited people in this. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that little subplot comes out of fucking nowhere. That's so, so, I'm so happy it does. Yeah. Uh, and this movie, it, there, it's so earnest. It really is. That's what I love. That's the charming part of this movie. Is that it's just so earnest. Uh, like YK Kim is the is the lead in this, and he's one of the writers, and he wound up directing part of it. And it just like the ends on on a note of what exactly does it say? Only only through the elimination of violence can we achieve world, world peace. peace. Yeah. Like who puts that at the end of this movie about a synth pop band that runs afoul of drug dealers because they're hired to replace another band. That's what the, that's the crux of this movie. Yeah. 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 Dragon sound gets the, gets hired to play in a club and they, the other band is mad about it. So they go and talk to a drug dealer and his gang in order to run dragon sound out of town. 
that's it. What a bunch of and there's you remember how in uh was it blown away mm-hmm. there was a ton of unnecessary nudity? Yeah. There's just a, a number of unnecessary fights in this. Movie. <laughs> yeah. Or or necessary fights. I guess. <laughs> I, like like when the, the one the one guy I guess the one band member who finds out he's fired from the club fights the owner of the club <laughs> and the owner <laughs> kicks all their asses <laughs> right <laughs> is that the last time we see the owner by the way i can't pretty remember. sure yeah so, what apparently everybody knows karate in this yes of course in this yeah. neighborhood miami 1887 miami <laughs> well, that's miami <laughs> that's quote. <laughs> yeah I, th- there's there's that fight and there they they fight them in the street a couple times yep both both uh uh, was there a fight at the was there a fight at like the one gym if I'm remembering correctly no there wasn't a fight at the gym but there was one well I guess it was outside the gym no yes oh yeah. they, no they fight the uh, they fight the uh, cook he kicks their ass right right <laughs> Mr. So- Mr. Song I think. oh yeah 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 Uncle Song Uncle Song Uncle Song they, they just like they rough up Uncle Song a little bit then Uncle Song beats the shit out of everybody <laughs> And then he apologizes for it. Yeah. I, I think that was supposed to be like a Mr. Miyagi moment, right? Because he's like, Taekwondo is not just kicking and punching. It's, yeah. it's like for self-defense. And it cuts. What the fuck just happened? Yeah. And then you never see Uncle Song ever again. Oh, yeah. So that, again, just like a totally unnecessary fight. <laughs> uh, I did I did really enjoy when Jim finds his father. <laughs> and they hoist him up on their shoulders. <laughs> and, and, and there's like a, a freeze frame of it. Yeah. And I had to I had to check the timing of the movie. Like, did, did the movie end? <laughs> I didn't know. It feels so much like the end of the movie, but it's not. It's like another 15 minutes left. <laughs> oh, it was awesome. And it goes full deadly prey after that. Yes. Yes. The one ma- major disappointment I had in this movie is that they they didn't commit to the end like the 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 true ending with everything they did would have been that guy jim dying but that's what i thought was gonna happen so apparently that was the original ending okay and there was a test for some reason there was a test screening of this movie and uh investors or played at con i i gotta pull up this trivia but yeah anyway originally jim was supposed to die it made more sense I, i thought he was actually gonna bite the bullet when he finds out who his dad was at the uh, mailbox, they, they hold the the camera shot long enough. Where it was like, oh, he's like, oh my god, my dad! I found my dad. I thought a ninja was gonna come out with like a throwing star and just right in the back of the head. I thought that was uh, gonna happen when they started lifting him up on their shoulders. <laughs> that would have been even better. Here it is. In the original version, Jim dies at the end on the way to the hospital. However, when the film was screened at Cannes in 1987. YK Kim was told by all potential distributors that the ending was a downer. Director Wu Sang Park had already returned to Korea, so Kim himself reshot the ending. Final fight between Mark and Yoshida was added. But C.Y. Joe, the guy that plays Yoshida, the guy in the white uh, ninja costume, was unavailable, so Yoshida was played by William Urgel instead. So in that last fight, the guy that plays Jeff, the bad guy, is actually pretending to be uh, Yoshida, who also, they might be brothers? In the movie? Yeah, that I didn't get either. I forgot about that. Yeah. They come back and they say, sorry, Mr. Yoshido, but your brother Jeff is dead. He was killed by Dragon Sound. Like, what? Before we move on, that sentence killed me. (laughs) He was killed by Dragon Sound. 
think, and I don't think that guy's ever heard of like, like who? Yeah. <laughs> and the beginning of the movie, I, I had written down in the beginning of the movie, those are the the ninjas that steal the cocaine, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then you don't see them until the end of the movie, and they're in the same position. So I had written down: Did these guys not move for like weeks at a time, or do they just hanging out? <laughs> they're, they're just sitting there. They're just waiting. Uh, right. And they, yeah, they never explain if Jim is this guy's brother or just you know, quote unquote, brother in arms kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. I think it was Yoshida was just let it because it was Jeff's. It was Jeff's turf, or he was trying to. Jeff was trying to get that turf, but mm. they hit, they had to get rid of Dragon Sound for some reason because they pose a threat to Jeff's drug business. They, uh, I, they pose no threat at all. No threat at all. They could have coexisted. It, it wasn't until the other band tapped Jeff's goon squad to try and uh, get them to kill Dragon Sound so they could get their job back. They just find another club, dude. Right. It's Miami. (laughs) Dan, I I don't know how often we have to tell you this. It's Orlando. (laughs) Oh, wait, I thought it actually takes place in Orlando. Yes. So the opening scene takes place somewhere in Miami, as the opening card says. But Dragon Sound goes to University of Central Florida. That's Orlando. No. Yeah. Oh, I thought they were just saying the whole thing took place in Miami. Nope. Nope. The, the, any chance of that happening eliminated when they put the giant text on screen, University of Central Florida. Um, I don't know where that is. It's in Orlando. Miami that. Central, that's for sure. I think Miami is Southern Florida, right? Yeah. 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 So, southeast. But yeah. So, so regardless, I mean, Orlando, I'm sure there's tons of clubs in Orlando. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's Disney. Paradise. Yeah. Paradise Cove or whatever they call the adult, the adult uh, section. I don't even think it exists anymore. Yeah, the the Dude, fight I, between the the band guy and the the uh, the club owner was was great too. Where just like you play music for old people, <laughs> yeah. and just fuck you, fuck you. No, I don't. <laughs> Dragon Sound playing music for the kids. kids. Yeah. <laughs> and they kept calling each other. I, I love the line reading in this movie. Oh god, it, it, it kind of sounds like everyone's ad libbing their lines and talking over each other. The, yeah. uh, the the one band like the guy who runs the first it, band and the club owner just kept yeah. kept calling each other assholes or sons of bitches. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the uh, Anne can correct me here, but I believe that part of that is slightly bad editing because I think they were putting multiple takes together and they just repeated the same lines over and over again. Yeah, I don't know. I think it was a little bit. I, I think uh, I think it had to do with the directing. I think it, you're also seeing people that have never acted before as yeah. well. So you're seeing a bunch of people that are maybe not super confident in their line reading or memorizing at all. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. So they're prob- they might be ad-libbing just because they don't remember the script or they don't- they're just unsure yeah. of the actual script or their own performance. It, uh, it, it definitely shows that they're not, you know, Yeah. Uh, some backstory. Uh, actually, I'll just go through what I usually do. 
Um, so Miami Connection from 1987, directed by Wu Sang Park and YK, YK Kim, starring YK Kim, Vincent Hirsch, Maurice Smith, Angelo Gennati, Joseph Diamond, Kathy Collier, William Ergo, C.Y. Joe, and Richard Park. Has an IMDb score of 5.7 and a Rotten Tomato score of 68%. Budget, $1 million. No box office numbers, but it was only screened in Orlando, Daytona, Melbourne, Florida, and also West Germany for some reason. One thing, the film opened to poor box office, scathing reviews, and had long been forgotten. In June 2009, Zach Carlson, a programmer at the Alamo Drafthouse Cinema in Austin, Texas, happened upon a seller on eBay who was selling a 35mm print of it. Carlson had never heard of the film before, but bought it for $35. In April 2010, Carlson screened the film at the Draft House, and it became wildly popular with cult film fans. More screenings took place to pack theaters. Draft House phoned YK Kim about distributing the film, but the film's failure was a painful experience for Kim, and he originally thought that the call was a cruel prank. Eventually, Kim relented and saw that his film had become a popular midnight movie 25 years after its initial failure. And yeah, YK Kim seems like a hell of a guy. I guess he was like yeah. a teacher in Orlando. And I say YK Kim was so popular in Orlando, Florida, that the local government and law enforcement allowed him to film anywhere in the city without permits. Wow. Yeah. He didn't even give that to uh, James Cameron uh, for Terminator, right? Yeah. YK Kim's still Insane alive. For him. Yeah, the, uh, the one other bit of trivia I saw there, too, was that the two cops in the movie were real cops. And the one was so nervous, he actually pointed the gun at his partner. <laughs> like by accident like trying to act out the scene <laughs> uh, the angry bearded band leader who leads the street fight was a real life federal prosecutor <laughs> there's some great trivia in there yeah, yeah. <laughs> angelo Giannotti and kathy collier were dating at the time to avoid any discomfort during the kissing scenes between collier and vincent hirsch Giannotti was told to go buy beer for the crew <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Man, this, is a great, this sounds like a great time to like film you know like, it, it, everyone must have been having a ball doing yeah. and lots and lots of cocaine probably <laughs> I, I feel like yk kim was like strictly straight edge oh yeah yeah it's always a good joke about the 80s oh it looks like all these films are fun <laughs> yeah there's, there's copious amounts of cocaine yeah uh, or i didn't know so seeing the poster art i didn't know what the f- i didn't know who that was is that person yeah that's like, mark yeah so i it looked it looked like like you know sometimes sometimes you'll see a picture of, of a video game box art recreation mm-hmm. be like of you know grand theft auto and someone just draws it that's what this kind of looks like <laughs> like a fan just like hey quickly draw me miami connection poster <laughs> yeah oh, okay this poster is from the the alma draft house releasing so it's not like an original it's from when it was uh, re-released in the 2010s. It's a thing of beauty, to be honest. It's pretty it's great. Got, it's got, got everything. Got the Hall of Notes guy on there playing the guitar. Got the Hall of Notes guy. Got the guy finding the letter from his dad. <laughs> it does. Why? <laughs> it is pretty great. Yeah. Uh, you guys want to get into the plot? Yeah, of course. Dan, what do you got? All right. Uh, just gonna give a quick shout out to our. Friends Tia and Brittany in their podcast, The Top 10 with Tia. It's a weekly podcast where Tia and Brittany run down top 10 lists. So if you are interested in that, go to Geek Vibes Nation for a listen. You could also follow Tia at TC underscore Stark on Twitter. Okay, great. And we are going to take a quick break, and you guys are going to listen to some messages from Friends of the Podcast. And we will be right back. Hey, this is Ken M. Padawan J. Coach Duffy. From the Ocho Duro Parley Hour Podcast. 
Every week, the ODPH is talking sports, movies, TV, comics, and more. It's always a parlay of topics on each episode. You can find the ODPH on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and wherever you find great podcasts, such as the one you're listening to right now. Don't forget to check out OchoGirlParlayHour.com, where you can find the links to all of the ODPH social media accounts, links to the bands whose music you hear each week on the show, hashtag 607 podcast info, and Parlay Points, our companion block section of the show. Thanks for listening to the ODPH. Now get back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Welcome, travelers. Seems like you're looking for a story. Well, I got one for you. Involves adventure, friendship, and all sorts of... Hey, hey, uh, Earl, why don't you tell him about that time I stole that big-ass melon? Yeah, yeah, I I was going for more... Or you could tell him about the time I kicked your ass, Earl. I wouldn't ever tell him. Do I need to get my ref gear on? Okay, everyone, shut up. Now come with me as I tell you a story from afar. Hey everybody, my name's David. I'm the DM for From Afar Podcast. A From Afar Podcast is all about four friends separated by distance, brought together by adventure. Hope you all stop by and give us a listen. Thanks. And welcome back. Now it's time to get into the plot for Miami Connection. We open on somewhere in Miami where hilariously stereotypical gangsters meet for a drug deal at an abandoned warehouse. There are at least two fedoras in this scene, as well as very many Uzis. Then a group of motorcycle-driving ninjas are there, too, though how much of a ninja can you be driving a loud hog like that? So while the drop happens, the team of ninjas look on from the tall grass. After the exchange, one of the ninjas throws a ninja star in someone's neck, and then chaos ensues. The gangsters start shooting their Uzis all over the place, trying to shoot the ninjas, but they can't see them. Ninjas start fighting back, killing at least a couple of guys with katanas as the gangsters try to get away with the drugs. One dude gets his arm chopped off. Eventually, the ninja bikers kill all the dudes left and make off with the drugs. The ninjas then bring the drugs back to their sensei's dojo, and he comes in and asks them where the money is, and then chastises them for for forgetting about the money, but he managed to get the money himself. Now we got you just got to do it yourself, mm-hmm. right? You I, had written down, I had written down the reason they didn't bring the money is because the boss had the money. <laughs> <laughs> can't well, win. How could we can't win with can't win with some bosses, man. No, I know they just set you up for failure, really. Yep. And now we get credits as we get scenes of the Ninja Biker Gang intercut with scenes of Dragon Sound, the synth pop band that we will eventually come to know as our heroes in the film. As the credits end, the Ninja Bikers show up at a club, and Yoshido, the gang leader, meets with Jeff. And Yoshido tells Jeff that he's got some great coke that he might be interested in selling. And Dragon Sound comes onto the stage and plays their first song, Friends. The most upbeat song ever and the ode to platonic friendships that could change the world. As the band plays, Jeff notices his sister Jane on stage with the band, not only as a singer, but all, she's also getting flirty on stage with one of the band members. The really tall, shirtless white guy. It looks like Eli Manning. Yeah, the, uh, this was the moment where I was very both confused and excited that I thought this was just going to be just ninja fights interspersed with this band playing on stage throughout the whole movie just their entire album yoshida pulls him into the back talk business but jeff can't let it go but the crowd loves dragon sound and they're just going nuts for him at the university of central florida jane is in a computer class and she makes a really nice circle in cad as a dot as a computer teacher tells her and then the tall white dude who might be in his 30s but also might be 15 comes into the room nation <laughs> And motions for her to come outside. This is John, by the way. There's way too many J names in this film, too. Yeah, I couldn't keep track of who was who for a long time. There's John, Jeff, Jack, Jim, Jim. Jane. Way too many. 
uh, they leave the class, and the guy, who I'm not sure we've learned his name yet, it is John, asks Jane about her family. And she info dumps him on information on her dad and mother and brother, including that her dad left her mother for a young younger woman, and the mom had to raise them on their own, and that her brother is involved with some shady characters. Who Really, he is the shady character. Uh, and yeah. then her brother, Jeff, and his whole posse shows up, and for some reason he's in full-on fatigues and drives a red Mercedes convertible. And he freaks out when she introduces him to John and Jane says he's a friend from school. And he says, a friend! <laughs> <laughs> and then he punches John right in the face. He sucker punches him. <laughs> and then the rest yeah. of the dragon sound comes in and breaks it up. Yeah, there's uh, there's being protective and then there's whatever this guy is. <laughs> I love his... Again, I, I really think it's not being protective as so much as like... There's, being he wants controlling. to like... Yeah. yeah. And I, I, the problem is we don't really know. Even with the exposition dump, I don't know a whole lot about their relationship. It's just she hates him. Why? Uh, I just hate him. Okay, well, well she hates him because he's a dirty drug dealer. But also, she can't really cut him out of her life because she, he's the one paying for for her to go to Central Florida. Yeah, he's very controlling for sure. Yeah, he's holding it over her head. He's kind of using that as having the power in the relationship. Right. It's and he's a very me he was not a very intimidating villain no i kept trying to figure out what he looked like or who he looked like and i couldn't put my finger on it yeah he did look familiar it's, uh, again i i saw that that like mop top with the beard mm-hmm. and i was like yeah i'm you know at first i thought he was going to be the main character that's <laughs> that's how unintimidating he was <laughs> and but Je- dragon sound comes in and breaks it up and then jeff tells them to stay away from his sister at a club, the club owner has an argument with the band that lost the club job to Dragon Sound. Then they have a full-on fistfight over it, and the club owner kicks all their asses and the old band leaves. And then Jeff then goes to Yoshida's place, and they exchange m- the money for the Yeo, as they said. Yeah. <laughs> and for some reason, both Jeff and Yoshida were concerned over the presence of Dragon Sound and how they may prevent Jeff from controlling that area. Which doesn't make any sense. Right. He didn't know about them. Nope. He didn't know what was going on. You just just stay on each other's the stay on your side of the street, man. Band is I playing. Honestly, yeah, I honestly think Dragon Sound just wanted to play music. They, they just wanted they, to play music and be friends for eternity. Right. right. And it, they had just had like a whole bro thing going, right? They all lived together. Yeah. All, they were just having fun. They were just being bros. They were never yeah. like, man, we got to get this cocaine off the streets, man. Right, yeah, they weren't vigilantes at night. Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> they were just like, we just want to play music at night, go to the beach and ogle the honeys. True, and do that. And then if there's time, find some of our dads. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then maybe if there's time, we'll go on a world tour to only the countries that our families come from. That's right. Yeah, that world was peace. One of, yeah, world peace. World peace. They were going to play at the Taekwondo dojos, right? <laughs> yes. yes. They're going to all the Taekwondo dojos in places like Israel and Italy and Ireland. You know, where our parents all, come from. All, all those, that's what Ireland's known for. Taekwondo. <laughs> dojo. <laughs> I'm sure it's very plentiful. <laughs> Look, you got to have dreams. So. Yeah. <laughs> I did I did have a joke written down at the beginning, but I didn't think it was going to hit, so I, I didn't say it. But now that we brought up dojos in other countries, uh, when the boss talks about how none of the none of his ninjas took the money, 
Mm-hmm. I had written down, I was like, now we can't open up that Tiger Shulman's here. <laughs> I appreciate that. It's not great, but, you know. <laughs> So Dragon Sound goes to a restaurant where Uncle Song serves them some food. And as soon as they sit down, they mention that they need to get to the club. So they all eat, have to eat really fast. This is like Dan's nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I wouldn't have like, you guys go on without me. I'll, be, I'll meet you there. Uh, and then they're at my one egg roll. <laughs> but then they're at the club playing against the ninja with Jane singing lead, doing her best Pat Benatar impression. You know, if Pat Benatar sang about ninjas and Taekwondo instead of yeah. love being a battlefield. And the crowd is pumped. It's such... It's so on the nose, these songs. <laughs> yes. Uh, later, Dragon Sound jumps into the convertible and leave the club. And the band they replaced follows them in their own cars and wind up surrounding Dragon Sound, brandishing baseball bats and clubs at them from their cars as if they're in the Warriors. And the other band's leader starts hitting Dragon Sound's car with a chain and yelling about how he lost his job because of them. It's basically, jobs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then one of the guy's buddies pours beer on the heads of Dragon Sound, and then it's go time. Dragon Sound jumps out of the car and starts taekwondoing the shit out of people all over the downtown Orlando. It's amazing to think that there are families enjoying the happiest place on Earth just miles away. <laughs> and Dragon Sound just continues to kick ass. And then they go home. You Bye. know what I realized about this movie? Anytime a person is fighting overwhelming odds, they win in spectacular fashion. <laughs> They win by running and then stopping, turning around and kicking. Yeah, that's their one go-to move. <laughs> Everybody but YK Kim. Mark is the only one that actually knows Taekwondo. Everybody else is just white guy yeah. Taekwondo. Yeah, yeah, that, that's exactly what it felt like in that in the entire movie. Yeah, there, there's a scene in that in that one. There, there's a moment in that fight scene in the street where, um, oh, who, we just said the the main character's name. Mark. What was it, uh, Mark? So Mark is running away from this like big fat white dude and he turns the corner and like pretends to hide and the big fat white dude comes over and is completely surprised even though he clearly saw him go around the corner just like step around the corner to pretend to hide. Yeah. Whoa, how did you get here? <laughs> that move happens at least four times in this movie. It happens all the time. <laughs> and they fall for it every single yeah. time. At least at least once per uh, fight, they'll they'll be somebody that does it. They do it at the train yard, definitely. I think John does it, the uh, Eli Manning-looking motherfucker. And I also had written down, good for this gang for having a lot of heavier guys. But that's <laughs> not a bad idea when you're fighting skinny dudes. Yeah. Right? You're going to have the weight advantage. Yeah. It's definitely had nothing to do with whoever answered the, uh, the casting call. <laughs> right. Whoever was friends with the main guy. <laughs> Florida man. <laughs> Big time Florida man vibes. <laughs> Especially when they go to the gym. There's like those two, oh. those skinny meth heads. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the one guy, the one big guy with his shirt off and the one scrawny guy in the in the camo fatigues. <laughs> They're like the bulk and scully of this movie. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, and then Dragon Sound goes home. Back at the house, John tells Jim that he's got a letter for him from Washington, D.C., Jim freaks out demanding the letter and John plays keep away with it. Eventually the commotion brings the rest of the band to see what's going on and John gives him Jim the letter. Jim reads it and crumples it on the floor and then shows them a picture of his dad. And he says his mother was Korean and his father was black American. His father left him and his mom when his military duty was over. So on her deathbed, she told him to try and find his dad. So he sent letters to the defense department to no avail. <laughs> This whole movie just grinds to a screeching halt. 
<laughs> for this guy to find who we've just found out in this scene that his name is Jim. <laughs> yeah, there's two moments when that happens. It's this moment and the training moment on the quad. It's yeah. The movie just screeches. Yeah, I mean, this movie's better for having this scene. I'm not saying it's not, yeah. because the scene is fantastic. But this it's, is it's like... an unnecessary plot point. Yeah, this is... The equivalent to this scene is in Samurai Cop when they meet the nurse and she asks him if he wants to fuck. It's the same scene. <laughs> right. It's unnecessary, but it's great that it's there. Yes, exactly. And then the guys go to the beach and hang out as friends plays over the, a montage as they ogle girls down at the beach. The mustache mullet guy tries to get a kiss from one of the random beach girls who then pushes him down and he winds up face first in some other girl's tits. Zack Snyder would never. <laughs> I had a young Zack Snyder and Joss Whedon taking notes. <laughs> Then he gets slapped around by the girls until one of the other guys drags him away. Meanwhile, John and Jane make out with absolutely no music to accompany them, so it's really uncomfortable. Then we go to the most central Florida gym in the history of central Florida gyms. A bunch of overweight, shirtless white dudes with meth addictions fight with bow staffs and other assorted weapons. The other band shows up asking to speak to their boss. Boss comes out, and it's Jeff. The band wants Jeff to get rid of Dragon Sound in order for them to get rehired at the club. But in exchange, the band will join Jeff's gang and give him profits from their gigs. If I'm Jeff, Jeff, I say, no, thank you. I don't need a band. (laughs) Go ahead, Mark. I said, didn't didn't he say that he would give them all the money they make? Yeah. At the job? Yep. Then what's the point of getting the job back? I don't know. Yeah, whatever we make, it's yours. Yeah. So back on campus. You guys aren't that good because you lost to a different band. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. This one this one club in Orlando can make or break. And he just got broke. Yep. Back on campus, Dragon Sound practices their taekwondo. Well, mostly it's just Mark practicing his taekwondo. And he also spars with John and one of the other guys. And those two guys have no idea what they're doing. And there's sparring and some board breaking. John and Jack, the other white guy, says he doesn't want to play at the club anymore because of their other the other band and because of Jeff. And then Jack talks about how they should go on tour and play in the countries in which their families came from. And also go to all the Taekwondo schools in the countries and talk about world peace or some shit. And yeah, this was the moment where they also talked about, should we add board breaking? Yeah. To the performances? <laughs> yes. Uh, we're just not a, not just a synth pop band. Maybe we should throw in some Taekwondo into the performance. Sure guys, whatever. Yeah. That's what people will, that's what people will come to see. Yeah. Um, at uncle songs, some ruffians skip out on the bill. And when uncle song tries to stop them, one of them punches him in the face. So then he kicks all their asses and then dragon sound shows up after he beats the shit out of everyone. And they talk about Taekwondo and how it's a way of life and how it's just as mental as it is physical. And then they're back at the club playing music, but now they've incorporated Taekwondo into the act. As they leave the club, they notice a note left on the car that tells them to meet by the railroad tracks, and it's dressed from Jeff. So they J- put that note in the most awkward place. Like, it, yeah. yeah, like it's it's not behind the wipers, right? It's like in the slot where the convertible top would go. Yeah. Yep. So weird. Uh, Jane goes to Jeff at the gym and tells him to leave her alone and to leave Dragon Sound alone. He demands that she never sees John again, and he tells her to go home, so she storms off. The next day, Dragon Sound shows up at the train tracks, where Jeff and his men are already waiting with weapons and no shirts, and the other band is also there. And then Taekwondo starts again, and Mark beats everyone's ass while all the other guys run around the railroad fighting with some of the other goons. Eventually, the cops show up, and everyone scatters. 
There's then a biker party, and Yoshida is there with a whole bunch of real bikers. Montage over the song Tough Guys. <laughs> and Jeff then shows up and meet, he meets up with Yoshido. Yoshida says, no business talk today, just fun. But Yoshido asks about Dragon Sound, and Jeff says he hasn't gotten rid of them yet. They go into the bar and have some drinks while the party's going on. We get a whole bunch of biker babe tits. Yeah, so Not two things. Good. Two things at this scene. One, there is a slight scene of possible sexual assault um, in this scene. Mm. Yep. Um, and two, apparently, according to the trivia, all those bikers were paid in beer. There you go. <laughs> Makes sense. That, that tracks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they all look like real biker dudes, so yeah. I'm and not super I'm, surprised. I'm assuming everything that happened in that scene outside of what Jeff and Yoshida were talking about was real. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm sure it's like they were like, hey, come on over here. We'll we'll buy you beer. We'll pay for beer and we'll load you up and we're just going to shoot whatever this party winds up being. We'll be in there because they, they actually uh, Yoshido and Jeff, while they're talking, you don't really hear what they're saying. So I'm assuming you're just like flying by the seat of their pants, not not shooting any audio, um, just shooting what they get. Yeah, because yeah. it, it was most obvious when right near the end of the scene, when that girl just walks in, walks up to them topless mm-hmm. in the middle of them doing the scene. Yeah. And then he, he's sort of like, oh, hey. The, the one actor like, hey, let me see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's so excited when she shows him. He's like, yeah, there we go. It's great. Uh... So, back at the house, the band is just chilling. Tom is working on some new songs. And in the morning, there's a mail call, but no letter for Jim regarding his father. So they go to campus, and people are happy to see them. They give them handshakes, and everyone applauds them for no real reason. And in the parking lot, the goons follow them as they get into their car. They go to Uncle Song's, and the guys pile out of the car, and Tom goes to park the car. As the guys are in the restaurant, the goons drive up and kidnap Tom, tossing him in the back in the trunk of their car. They take him to the gym and toss him in the back, chained up. And Jane comes by to see if he's there, but the Florida men are too busy popping and locking, and <laughs> she can't find him. Eventually, they wind up tying Mark to a water tower in an abandoned lot. And at night, the goons are waiting for Dragon Sound to show up. They do, and start picking off the goons one by one, like a stealth mission. Start beating up all the dudes with some wooden practice katanas and some more taekwondo. Except Jim. Jim just gets his ass kicked. Eventually, Mark and Jeff start fighting on top of the water tower. Jeff starts swinging a knife and loses his footing and falls off the platform and dies. Some goons go to Yoshido, and apparently Yoshido and Jeff were brothers. As they say, they tell them that Jeff, his brother, was killed by Dragon Sound, and he says that Dragon Sound will not escape the Miami Ninja. Those two lines back to back. Amazing. (laughs) Your brother has been killed by Dragon Sound. They will not escape the Miami Ninja. And then he reminisces about Jeff and his ninjas. That's crazy. Then Jim goes to get the mail, and he gets a letter telling him all about his father. And it says that his father's coming to Orlando Airport the next day. And the guys are just so happy for him that they pick him up and put him on his shoulder, their shoulders. And we freeze frame. And then they take him out to go suit shopping. And then Jane shows up and apologizes for being away for so long. She's hurting inside, but she can't stay away because she just loves John so much. So then John, Jim, and Mike pile into the car and drive off. I said, Mike, it's Mark. Uh. Meanwhile, the ninja biker gang is driving towards them, and they force them to stop. They say they will pay for Jeff's death, and then the ninjas start attacking them with katanas. So they run into the woods, and there's some taekwondo. Jim gets sliced with a katana, and Mark yells in Jim's face, telling him no. Meanwhile, John is just kicking all the ninjas in the face. Then Mark starts dragging Jim down a stream. John kills a fucking dude at one point, as does Mark. Yeah, because nothing's better for that ninth wound than a bacteria-laden water. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> 
Eventually, John rips his shirt off and goes primal, and a bunch of ninjas die in a public park. Yeah, I, I was. I wrote down the cops are gonna have a very strange scene <laughs> on their hands when they show up. Yeah, dispatch. There's like 20 dead ninjas here. I'm sorry. Did you say ninjas? Yeah. There's 20 dead. What? <laughs> yeah, they got katanas and everything. This is this is like I don't know what went what happened here, but it, some shit went. Down. Yeah, it's definitely gonna make the local news. Yes. Do they look like nerds? <laughs> Florida no, man kills not... 20 in public park. <laughs> it's it's a, like a larping uh a larping session yeah. gone horribly wrong. Uh Mark and John and John seem to be enjoying it a lot more than you'd expect in terms of the murdering of people. Uh eventually Yoshido is the only one left. He even chops off the head of the last man standing. Then Yoshido and Mark face off with katanas. They eventually lose both katanas and just go hand to hand start beating the shit out of each other. Eventually, Mark gets the best of Yoshido and goes to walk away until Yoshido grabs a knife out of his boot and goes to stab Mark, but Mark turns around and winds up stabbing Yoshido in the gut with his own knife. Again, in this scene, it's the guy that was playing Jeff, playing the role of Yoshido, and it's obvious that the guy underneath that ninja costume is a white guy. Yeah, it's super. I thought I, I thought it was just a random ninja yeah. that they were going to have to fight main boss afterwards but no that was, was, supposed, that was supposed to be, to be boss man yeah it's really and and i love that this death was a callback to the training scene in the quad yeah. <laughs> all important technique there you go yeah. man it's a Chekhov's gun exactly <laughs> and then john and mark go running through the woods with crazy looks in their eyes and katanas and then we cut to john driving jim to the hospital as mark pleads with him to stay alive they get to the hospital and then Jim's dad there is there too. Jim is in stable condition. The doctor tells them that he will call them and in when Jim is ready for visitors. And then eventually they wheeled out Jim and he's happy to see Dragon Sound and his dad. And now they've killed everyone that was messing with Dragon Sound. So now they're safe. And then we cut on freeze frame as they're going out of the hospital. And then we get only through the elimination of violence. Can we achieve world peace? That is 100% the message of this movie. You can't tell me otherwise. Yep. Yeah. And, at least that's what they were going for. And, and I would love to know what happened when two two of those guys walked in covered in blood, and the third guy has a sword wound. Yeah. Is, like, like, what's the explanation to the triage nurse? Well, just, <laughs> just watch the news later. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's that's the end of Miami Connection. A lot of fun. Yeah. What a wild movie. Yeah. Sure, I, I agree with Mark. It definitely has a Neil Breen feeling to it. Yeah, I mean, this is one of like the main. This is one of the big ones as, in terms of like these shitty movies that the other others have done. Like Samurai Cop, Deadly. Pre- I'm just looking at the more like this. Samurai Cop, Deadly Prey, Hard Ticket to Hawaii, Troll Two. Yeah, Hollywood Cop, it, Fateful Findings. It leaves a lot to talk about. There, there's. I, mean, I feel like there's some scenes that we even like maybe skimmed over that. It, there's just too much in this movie to really go in on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The tagline on this, survival, the ultimate test. What? Sure, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but what are they surviving from? I don't know. Right? Uh, yeah. I, one of my favorite uh, little, like, it's a little nitpick, but I love it. Uh, in Jeff's gym, there's a woman on the 
uh, on the fly machine. Mm-hmm. Every time they go back, it's the same woman on the same fly machine wearing the same clothing. It's like, show me that you shot this all in one day without telling me you shot this all in one day. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is this is a good time. According to YK Kim, there were no injuries during the production. Nice. This is the the karate taekwondo was done at like five miles an hour. Yeah, most of the yeah, cast it's impossible was... to get hurt. Most of the cast were students at YK Kim, who owned a chain of Taekwondo studios. He almost went bankrupt shooting this movie, making this movie. Yeah, so I'm glad it became a cult hit. Yeah, seems like a good guy. And this is like his only only thing he ever did in terms of movies. Just went back to to teaching people Taekwondo. Great. All right, what do you uh, do? You guys want to plug your shit so we get out of here? Yeah, for sure. Uh, at Diaquino122 at Twitter. Uh, you could also follow our Real Play D&D podcast, Stranger Damies, at Stranger Damies on Twitter. Uh, we will post new episodes on there. We'll let you know when uh, things are coming out, if we're doing anything else. We just want to talk about D&D. So, as Dan mentioned, Stranger Damies airs every other Wednesday, um, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. But do keep an eye on the socials for anything that changes or any special things we might do on there. Um, and especially to the Instagram that we're playing in person, you can see some great videos from me, uh, great photos from each session. Um, we have our gaming podcast, uh, the Game Vault podcast airs every other Monday, um, wherever you get your podcasts or on all socials at Game Vault Pod. Um, we also stream on twitch.tv slash Game Vault Pod. Um, we stream three days a week, definitely as of right now. Um, Mondays we do retro gaming. Tom plays through the retro roulette game from our podcast and then on days when it's not podcast monday we play through usually a retro rpg right now we're currently playing through chrono trigger um and then wednesdays is our multiplayer day where uh the three of us all play some multiplayer shooter or uh you know some kind of game like that um whether it's a co-op or or you know um online multiplayer um and then on Thursday is my um, co-op stream. Currently, right now, I am playing um, It Takes Two with Jen. Um, essentially, Thursdays is just me and, and someone else from the Game Vault Pod universe. Um, we'll play uh, through a game co-op. Uh, so we have plans for Tom after me and Jen get done. Um, uh, and then I believe we can figure it out from there if anyone else wants to do it or I just revert back to Jen. Um, or if Tom gets too frustrated and um, we go back to Jen a lot quicker um, on <laughs> that podcast. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, but anyway, uh, in the fall, we're going to be doing um, weekends again, Saturday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, um, something one or two of those days each week. Um, as I said, the Twitter is the best place to check on all that. OK, great. And we are They Called Us a Movie. You can find us on Spreaker and wherever you get your podcast just by searching They Called Us a Movie. We are the main That is our main website where you could find us. We're doing 31 Days of Horror in October. We're also posting all of our other shows there. So that's the main That's also all our socials. So Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, just look for the main Damien. We'll pop right up. We are a proud member of Geek Vibes Nation. You can find them at gvnation.com and on all socials and all podcast streaming apps just by searching Geek Vibes Nation. Tons of great shows. If you're into geek stuff, surely there's a show for you. We're also on TikTok. Look for us on TikTok. Just they called us a movie. Just look it up and we will be there. You got a suggestion for us of a movie you want us to watch? You could hit us up at the main name at gmail.com. Best place to get a hold of us there. Also, 
If you have the time, please go on your podcatcher of choice. Give us a five-star rating. Maybe even give us a review if you could be so kind. Really helps us out with the algorithm, gets us seen, and helps us create an audience. And that's going to wrap us up this week. The director of Miami Connection, well, there's actually two, is Wu Sang Park and YK Kim. So for Dan Aquino and Mark Myers, this is Anthony Davecchio telling Wu Sang Park and YK Kim, well, you certainly made a movie, didn't you? Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.